0: The offensive struggles continue for the Phillies. After dropping two or three to the Cubs and two or three to the Washington Nationals, the Phillies begin a Marlins series on a losing note. Where is the power? Tim Kelly and I break down the Phillies' offensive struggles and take a look at some of the September call-ups. This and more on Phillies Nation, episode fifty-three. Welcome to this Phillies Nation podcast on Sports Talk Philly. This is episode 53. I'm your host, Frank Close of Sportstalkphilly.com and 973 ESPN. Frustration continues for the Phillies. Last week, when we were chatting, the Phillies had just wrapped up their series with Toronto and were heading into Washington excuse me, heading home to face Washington for three and the Cubs for three. And things did not go so particularly well. The Philly series against the Nationals was should have been a bit an exciting one anyway. Max Serger versus Aaron Nola again. That series opens with a Zach Eflin start versus Steven Strasburg. Eflin not sharp, and he hasn't been sharp since the trade deadline, really, uh, going Five and a third innings, allowing five runs, three of them earned. His ERA is now at three ninety nine and he is at nine and five on the season. The Phillies dropped that one to the Nationals to open the series three to five. Then game two was the Nola Scherzer rematch. Not as exciting as the first one. Now the Phillies actually which was actually surprising, the Phillies actually got to Scherzer even better than they did the last time. Scherzer lasts just five innings, allows three earned runs, and when Aaron Nola departed the game, he had a lead. Nola gave the Phillies seven innings, allowing just one earned run, two runs total. Tommy Hunter comes in, allows one run, and then Pat Neshek his first blown save and first loss of the season gets just one out allows two runs one of them was earned and then again the the so two unearned runs continued to kill the Phillies and the Phillies ended up falling to the Nationals 5 to 4 in what seemed like it was going to be a tremendous matchup between Nola and Scherzer. Then the next day, the Phillies do get their one win of the series. Slugging eight runs. Tommy Hunter getting the save this time. Anthony Dominguez getting the win. But the Phillies finally, finally get some offense off of Gio Gonzalez, who has since been traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. So you have one game out of three against the Nationals. You really felt like it should have had two out of three against the Nationals, but the Phillies just eke out the one win. The Cubs series starts, and you're actually feeling kind of good. The Phillies take out the Cubs two to one in the series opener. Granted, it was two runs, not a whole lot of runs, uh, but Pat Neshek with the win. Steve Ciszek with the loss, extra innings, Phillies walk-off victory, a walk-off run from Asdrubo Cabrera. Makes you feel kind of good. Now, starting off a series like that, you almost think, oh, we have Nola going on Sunday. We're going to win this series. However, it was almost as if the Phillies on Saturday went into that game with the mentality that they didn't have to win because they had Aaron Nola going on Sunday. And wouldn't you know, game two, the Phillies lose to the Cubs seven to one. Again, almost expected. Not expected. Sunday's performance by Aaron Nola. He tied a season high with four runs allowed. He goes five and two thirds innings. He walks two. He hasn't been walking batters lately, but he walks two. He's now 15-4 and in the season with a 2-2-3 earned run average. And meanwhile, John Lester kept the Phillies scoreless for six, striking out seven. And the Phillies got one run off of Brandon Kinsler to keep it from being a shutout. But nonetheless, ended up being an ugly day. Luis Garcia comes in in the ninth, excuse me, in the eighth, Allows four more earned runs. Phillies lose 8-1. to one. So that was the tough one, right? You're expecting to win the Nola starts if nothing else. In this case, they lose back-to-back. Nola starts. Not that Nola lost the games, per se. Because, let's face it, Aaron Nola could give up four and get a win if, if a team is actually putting some runs on the board. Phillies aren't putting runs on the board. Then you get to the opener versus Miami. Jose Urena, famous for throwing at Ronald Acuna Jr. In, in Atlanta recently. Got a suspension for that. Has been pitching terribly this season. But for every pitcher that's struggling, there's always a Phillies offense to make him look really good. So the Phillies lose the opener to the Marlins 3-1. to one. Phillies took the lead in the second inning on a home run by Esdrubal Cabrera. But that's really all they could do. The Phillies managed just four total hits throughout the whole contest. Vince Velasquez allows three earned runs in five innings. Falls to 9-10 and 10 on the season. Jose Urania ends up seven innings. Just that one earned run. Striking out seven, gets the win. His fifth win of the season to go along with his 12 losses. Not a good start. You know, when we talked last week, we talked about how the Phillies had a wonderful opportunity from September 3rd through September 9th. The Phillies play three in Miami. They play three in New York against the Mets. Meanwhile, the Braves... Three against the Boston Red Sox. Four against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now Atlanta did lose today to the Boston Red Sox 8-2. to two. So you, you kind of thought that the Braves might be challenged by the Boston Red Sox. Now, you expected, though, the Phillies to try to get some of these back. If the Phillies can't gain any ground this week... The season might be as good as over. Philly sit four games behind the Braves in the National League East as of today. Again, this is Monday night. We're recording Monday night instead of Tuesday. It's our usual um, usual Sunday night because it was the Labor Day holiday. And Tuesday, you'll be returning to work and you'll probably listen to us while you're on the job. Don't get in trouble, though. Or on the way to work instead of listening to radio. But the Braves have to do at least half of what the Phillies can do uh, against these, this this Red Sox team. You now, the Phillies split the Red Sox in four games. Now, the Braves, it shouldn't get easier on paper today. They're, they're Rick Porcello faces the, the Braves on Tuesday night. Braves counter with Sean Newcomb, who's been pretty struggling as of late I mean his, his overall season stats look good you know uh, he uh, he's 11 and seven on the season but um, he's uh, his last few starts have been a little bit of a challenge and overall his last seven games if you break down the numbers don't look as good as as the ones that came before it but Newcomb in the month of August one and two six, 7 five era so which Sean Newcomb is going to show up for the Braves this time? But then the question is, will, it, will the Phillies' offense show up this time against the Marlins? The Braves, they're leaving it wide open for the Phillies. But for the Phillies, right now, as it always seems to be, the offense goes stone cold. Whatever the Phillies need to get some runs... And to talk about the Phillies' offensive struggles, we now welcome Tim Kelly of philliesnation.com. What's up, Tim? I'm doing well, Frank. Refreshed after a holiday weekend. And hopefully the Phillies feel a little bit more refreshed after a holiday weekend because they certainly haven't looked like it the last month. Yeah, it seems like the Phillies' bats are on a holiday. And unfortunately, the Phillies' games keep going on. As we just mentioned, the Phillies drop another one in which they score just one run. And Tim, I'm looking up and down the lineup and, you know, Gabe Kapler gets a lot of criticism for his varied lineups, but it's almost at the point where you kind of wonder what else he could possibly do.
1: Yeah, and I think some of the criticisms of lineup construction are a little bit ridiculous. I wouldn't bat Cesar Hernandez third. I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, but other than that, it's he's kind of like trying to mix and match to get someone going, so short of him going out there with a the bat and hitting himself, I'm not sure at this point how you can blame him for the offense. Perhaps they need to evaluate their offensive mentality in the offseason, things of that nature, but in the end, the players play and the coaches coach, so he can put whatever players in whatever order, and if one order sticks and they start hitting, he'll stick with that order. That just hasn't happened for a bulk of this season and certainly
0: not since the All-Star break. And tonight, the Phillies... Rest, or excuse me, this afternoon, the Phillies rest, Reese Hoskins, would you have done that in the middle of a, a, an offensive outage like this?
1: Yeah, because I think one of the biggest reasons for the offensive outage is that your best hitter isn't going. So giving him that mental day off, he came off the bench and hit a ball deep that at Citizens Bank Park probably would have been a home run, certainly would have been much closer. So, you know, you just hope he gets going. And we talk about it a lot with Odubo Herrera with the streakiness, but Reese Hoskins has a bit of that in him as well. We saw after the all-star break how hot he was and You kind of hope if you're the Phillies that he's able to turn in one more of those streaks before the
0: season's out. Yeah, and Hoskins coming in today 2-for-18 in his last six games. So so really, Hoskins is a big reason for that. And earlier in the season, a little rested him well. Maybe that's what Gabe Kapler was looking for in this particular situation. I know after the game, Kapler mentioned that he thought that you know he was going to have to use Hoskins every day, and today might have been the best opportunity to give him a rest of some sort. Now he did come in against the lefty Adam Conley, and again almost hit that home run, but at the end of the day, it's still a one long loud out. Now let's look at the uh, let's t- let's talk about Cesar Hernandez for a minute because uh, you just mentioned him, and yeah, he did bat third for a couple of days. Me me personally, um, I I would not have batted him third either. And the first game that Hernandez batted ninth, I, I had the thought that, well, I'd rather than bat him ninth, I would just put somebody else in for a day or two. Uh, but today, again, he bats ninth, goes 0 for 3. Um, so what's up with Cesar Hernandez?
1: I think it's a combination of things. He fouled the ball off his foot earlier this season, and that seems to have affected him for a period. I do think the Phillies have had him take even more pitches than he's taken in previous years. He's up to four, almost four and a half pitches per uh, plate appearance. He's walked 83 times, which is more than any Phillies walked a majority of this decade. So it, he's kept the on-base percentage relatively high, but he's seen almost a 50-point or 40-point, excuse me, drop in his batting average. So th- I don't think there is necessarily one thing because if this had happened last year you could say oh well 2016 he was due for a regression but he had 294 in back-to-back seasons he has it for a bit more pop this season but I don't necessarily think there is one thing I think with Cesar Hernandez uh, it, it just has been a bit of a down year but at age 28 there's no reason to think in my mind that you can't tweak some things this off-season. now There's a lot of moving parts out of his control that will decide whether he's here in 2019 or not, but I don't think the Phillies are going to give him away. They certainly weren't willing to the last two off seasons, and his trade value is not going to be any higher based off of this season, so I think there's a very realistic chance he's with the Phillies in some capacity next year, and you hope to kind of get a hybrid of this guy that walks a ton. He's led the Phillies and walks three straight seasons. He's not going to do it this year because of Santana, but he's walking more than he ever has. You like that a lot, but you want to see that average at least come up into the 275-280 range, and if you couple that with the walks, maybe you don't have him lead
0: off anymore, but you have him in the lineup somewhere, and he can be an effective piece. Yeah, looking at his month of August, batted just 215 with a 323 on base percentage. Now you look at his walks, 17 walks in the month of August. That was as many as he had in June. A little bit shy of what he in April when he had 21, but he got on base at a 417 clip in April. So the Phillies need some more months like, like that. And unfortunately, this is coming at a really bad time because let's talk about our next H, Odubel Herrera. Odubel Herrera, what do you think? What do you think his deal is right now? The Phillies seem like they're they're just kind of burying him eighth in the lineup. Roman Quinn getting some starts in center field instead. In fact, today we saw Odubel Herrera play left field, and Roman Quinn took over in center field. Is he kind of losing his spot to to Roman Quinn uh, as this season kind of heads down the final stretch?
1: Not necessarily, because again, you have just because Roman Quinn's healthy today, that doesn't mean next April he's going to be healthy. And if he's not, Odubel Herrera is going to be in center field. Even if he is, uh, you don't know exactly how they plan to structure that outfield next year. But for the time being, Roman Quinn's been not only the Phillies' best offensive player, but just one of the better hitters in the league over the last two to three weeks. So it makes sense to have him out there. With Oduble Herrera, kind of the feeling I think we've all had is this is kind of who he is. This is the year we've realized Odubel Herrera is who he is, and that player, when he's producing, is a very talented player, as we saw at the beginning of the season. And that's why it's so difficult to give up on someone like that, because for as low as the lows can be, when he's on, he can carry on. And a lot of how we view him this offseason is going to be based on how he performs in this month of September. If he turns in a month of September where he continues to produce like this, there's going to be a serious discussion about his future. It's entirely possible, though, that he flips a switch at some point in the next week or 10 days and gets hot before the conclusion of the season. So It's nice to have someone like Roman Quinn or just a fourth outfielder where when Herrera is struggling like this, you can put somebody else in. You don't have to necessarily start Herrera. But I think for the Phillies to make the playoffs, they need Herrera to get going. And that's independent of Quinn. I mean, they can coexist if both of them are going.
0: Yeah, Herrera just batting 200 in the last seven days, batted 205 in the month of August. And, of course, that's not going to get it done with an on-base percentage of 247 in August and not even walking like he well he didn't walk a lot but he did walk enough in April and May to, to really make a difference yeah he walked a ton in
1: April of 2016 to me was the best month he had of his career because he was hitting high up in the lineup he would walk he would show excitement he was kind of a spark and you know I thought with the new coaching staff they try to get him back walking more because Like we see with Cesar Hernandez and Carlos Santana, even when you're struggling offensively, if you're walking, you're still getting on base. You're still providing some sort of value. Even if it's not maybe as good as hitting a double or hitting a home run, you're still getting on base. When Herrera is off, he's not walking. He's striking out, usually on pitches outside of the strike zone. So, you know, the one thing I thought with the new coaching staff is they would look at that month of April of 2016 and try to get him to walk. Perhaps they did. Um, you know, it just comes down to getting him to hold an approach for six or seven months of a season, and I'm not sure if that's ever going to take place. He's certainly extremely talented, and I, I still think it would be tough to give up on him this offseason because, look, he's got 21 home runs. He's got 65 RBIs. This is someone that was otherworldly the first month and a half of the season, and it's difficult to give up on that. But that doesn't mean at the same time that you can't point out some of the flaws and point out that this isn't his rookie season anymore.
0: Let's take a look at the newly acquired as Drupal Cabrera. Uh, has he been a disappointment to the Phillies since they picked him up? Because you know he's one of only four players with an OPS over eight 800 that got traded at the, the July 20, 31st trade deadline. Uh, so didn't you expect a little bit more out of Cabrera? I
1: think you did. Now, the one thing he has going for him is kind of like Aaron Altair at the beginning of the season, but better. Even though he's not doing extremely well as a hitter, he's still provided some really important game-winning type home runs. He homered again on Monday. So I, I think he's someone that in September you'll probably see heat up a little bit more than he has. In the end, though, Asdrubal Cabrera was supposed to be a complimentary piece to Reese Hoskins, to O'Double Herrera, someone that gives you an option if Michael Franco is struggling or if Scott Kingery was struggling at shortstop or whatever. And instead, because no one's really taking the lead, we're looking around at uh, Asdrubal Cabrera and, and some of these other guys that they've picked up and expecting them to carry the load. Wilson Ramos is capable of that, but he's been banged up and kind of had trouble staying in the lineup from day to day. And as Drupal Cabrera is a complimentary piece. You don't see teams making the playoffs depending on guys like as Cabrera to carry their lineup, but the Phillies are really in a position right now where they're hoping to get two or three runs a game and that that's just not a sustainable way of winning. And the reason they're in that position is because their two most talented offensive pieces aren't getting the job done.
0: Now let's let's talk about Michael Franco next because you just mentioned his name now last seven days he doesn't have a hit now he's been perhaps bothered by uh, something going on with his wrist dating back to the Toronto series uh, that that seemed to be like the the last time you saw some some production out of him uh, what do you do with Michael Franco because you know as you just mentioned you got you have the new complementary pieces like Cabrera and and Franco there are people that can bat on his behalf or play third on his behalf, but he's also equally streaky, it seems, to Herrera. So so what can you do with, with Michael Franco right now?
1: On a day-to-day basis, I think it's difficult to not have him in the lineup four or five times out of seven games, if not more, just because he can change the game with one swing, and right now that's kind of what you're banking on. But it's certainly reasonable in my mind on certain days to say we're going to take Scott Kingery's defense at short. And by the way, Scott Kingery's defense has not been talked about enough. He has improved vastly at shortstop this year, even if his bat hasn't come around. But if you're going to have those days and then you can have Azdrubal Cabrera play third. Mike, What Mike Helfranco has done is assure that the Phillies aren't going to go out this offseason and sign a piece like Mike Moustakis to play third base. He hasn't put himself in a position where he absolutely needs to be in the lineup every single game. and He might be dealing with that wrist injury, but even prior to that, throughout really the course of his career, and he's still young, but he's dealt with a lot of uh, inconsistencies, and it is difficult to change your hitting approach, but for the first time in his career, the Phillies are competing for the playoffs and they have to balance that with trying to get him and what feels like six or seven guys going at one time. So I think that's why it's difficult to criticize too many of these uh, decisions lineup wise that Gabe Kaplan makes because he's mixing and matching and he's not short on options, but he does appear to be short right now on guys who will kind of grab this by the horns and help lead the Phillies into the playoffs.
0: Now, one of the players that seems to have hit a lot of balls hard, especially as of late, of course, would be Carlos Santana. Now, the thing about Santana, the last week he's batted, it seems like, all nine spots of the lineup. I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating, but uh, you've seen him bat leadoff, bat second, bat fourth, bat fifth, bat second. Uh, What 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 should the Phillies be doing with Santana, and how would you rate his, his play as of late? As of late, he seems to
1: have hit into a lot of bad luck like he was at the beginning of the season. There were some points in the middle of the season where he just really wasn't hitting the ball hard and he seems to have found that again, especially on the right side of the plate, but he got robbed on a ball Monday afternoon on a great play where he scorched a ball into right center that would have scored Roman Quinn and uh, sometimes you just have to tip your cap to the other team. I would have trouble just running the same lineup out day in and day out and I know a lot of the criticism of Gabe Kapler's lineups right now is, oh, well, there's no consistency. But if he was running the same lineup out day to day, they'd say he needs to shake something up and he's not doing it. So Carlos Santana to me has been a little disappointing offensively, but not far off from what we've expected of him. And I think part of the disappointment comes from the fact that he's hit into some bad luck this season. That doesn't mean he hasn't had some uh, disappointing stretches, but it's an 162-game season. That's bound to happen. He's going to walk 100 times, which no Phillies done since 2008 when Pat Burrell did it. I, I think the the thing that we're realizing more than anything, though, is that Reese Hoskins cannot stay in left field, and that may unfortunately come at the expense of Carlos Santana, although he'll be well compensated wherever he goes I'm not sure he's going to be long for the Phillies just because I don't think Reese Hoskinson's staying left field. But Carlos Santana has hit the ball hard recently. He's someone that it makes sense to have in the lineup a majority of days, and you hope that as other pieces hopefully get going, he continues to hit the ball hard and find some grass
0: rather than some gloves. And he made another third-base appearance today. Do you think the Phillies would ever try to just start him at third base with Franco out and and while they're trying to get some offense, because it seems like they're willing to take that risk right now.
1: I don't think it's impossible they try something like that once. But, it, I mean, even if it goes well for more the, for one game, it's just not realistic to have him playing third base. Uh, and probably the same goes for the outfield, especially if Hoskins is in the outfield, although presumably Hoskins would be at first. But you don't know with Justin Bore in the equation. So I, I think the Phillies like the versatility. But that's the one thing that's been lost in this season is – Sure, the Phillies would like players to be versatile, but more in the way that the Cubs and the Dodgers like it. They don't want to have to constantly have no stability position, position by position or where players are hitting in the lineup. But when players aren't producing, you don't have much of an option other than to shake things up until you find something that consistently works.
0: And let's just talk for a second about Nick Williams. He's been one of the better stories in the second half of the season, batting two ninety three since the All-Star break. Uh, Do you you think he has played himself into a long-term piece in the Phillies outfield?
1: I think he's played himself into being on the Phillies for the foreseeable future. I don't necessarily think he's locked into a starter's position. He was incredible off the bench in the first month or so, and I don't hate the idea of him as a fourth outfielder. Now, a lot of this depends. If Reese Hoskins is back at first base next year, then Nick Williams is your left fielder. He doesn't field well regardless of adjustments he's made offensively, and he deserves credit for that because he definitely has tried to walk more, but he, he is never at any level graded out well as a fielder. So he would be much better fit in left field, but a lot of that depends on whether left field's available or not because obviously Reese Hoskins isn't playing another position in the outfield. If Hoskins is in left field next year, it doesn't preclude me from going after Bryce Harper. It wouldn't preclude me on opening day from starting Herrera and Quinn in the outfield rather than Nick Williams. So there's a lot to like about Nick Williams. I'm just not sure if he's someone you love necessarily.
0: And just a quick question. Justin Bohr, he's still on their payroll for next year unless the Phillies non-tender him. He seems like he's worth more than a non-tender what do you think the Phillies will do with him? Because he really did not get a chance to really show the club what what he could do down this stretch because of his injury. But back today, doesn't get a pinch hitting opportunity in the bottom of the ninth, which kind of or excuse me, the top of the ninth, which kind of surprised me.
1: Yeah, there was one point in the fifth where he was on deck, and I think Scott Kingery struck out, and they just didn't get to him. I'm not entirely sure because a lot of it depends how Carlos Santana. Uh, and the Reese Hoskins situation shakes out. If both of them are here, I don't think there's any chance Justin Boer is here next year. If Reese Hoskins is back at first, I still find it hard to believe that you carry Justin Bour the entire season unless you really believe he's capable of playing outfield. Teams love to carry what Matt Holiday is now. We saw the Rockies try to sign Ryan Howard last year and get him going for that type of role. Matt Stairs, obviously, in 2008. Teams don't mind carrying a player like that in july august september and into the postseason but i i have a difficult time thinking the phillies would carry him just to kind of be that power bat off the bench with little position versatility for an entire season so i don't think they'll non-tender him i think that would be silly but you might get more of a, a symbolic non-tender essentially where you trade him and don't get much in return so i think justin Bour's time in philadelphia is going to be rather short and Forgetful because he's too good, to, in my opinion, to waste away on the bench. That doesn't mean he's a superstar, but I don't think he's someone that you simply have on the roll just to pinch hit next year.
0: And there's one name I want to talk about. We haven't really done so yet because we've been talking about struggles of players in the Phillies' offense, but the one who's been playing very, very well would be Wilson Ramos batting 400 as a Philly, which is pretty good. What do you think the deal is with Ramos? Do you think the Phillies consider trying to re-sign him for next year?
1: It has to be something that you consider. It just depends what the price range is. And I don't think there's any question that long-term you want Jorge Alfaro to be your catcher. But right now, Wilson Ramos is is probably the best offensive piece the Phillies have when you consider Reese Hoskins isn't playing well. And he's unquestionably been a better option this year than any catcher that they've had. That doesn't mean with his uh, improved ability behind the plate, and I think a lot of people see the high offensive upside of Jorge Alfaro, but that people see high offensive upside, and that doesn't always necessarily equate to you fulfilling that, and you know what Wilson Ramos is moving forward. So the idea of carrying... Ramos next year with Alfaro as his backup, knowing that Alfaro is probably going to get a decent amount of starts. Maybe he becomes Nola's catcher, and you also know that Wilson Ramos has a tendency to get injured. So you continue to have someone in Jorge Alfaro that you know can step in if need be. It just depends on what the price range is in the off season. If you can get him on a shorter term contract i think it's something you have to consider if there's a team willing to give them more than two years which i don't expect to be the case but perhaps it will then you're probably out of the equation i think
0: really quick before you leave the phillies we've talked a lot about their ups and downs is there any chance at all that this team can kind of gel together and we get get an up to finish out this 2018 season
1: the way you get an up in my mind is whether is either Reese Hoskins and or O'Double Herrera gets scorching hot. And if you add that to what Roman Quinn's been lately, that might be enough. It might not be enough, but it's possible in this division this year that that is enough. Um, one of the interesting things we're going to be looking at this offseason, I think, is you're going to be banking going into next year, especially if Ramos isn't in the picture or if you don't sign Manny Machado or whatever. If you're counting on Scott Kingery and Jorge Alfaro to be starters next year, you're going to be banking on just kind of blind hope that these guys have a ton of talent and hopefully they figure it out consistently offensively. As a, <clears throat> excuse me, as opposed to being able to say this metric shows us that these guys are going to improve next year. Look, neither of them have been good offensively this year. We see uh, the upside of Jorge Alfaro, but he has struck out almost 40% of the time. He's been at the plate. Scott Kingery hasn't hit a ton of balls hard. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. But I think for the rest of the season, you're hoping on Herrera, Hoskins, and when Ramos is in there that he gets going and that uh, maybe Cabrera gets going. I think Cesar Hernandez is a bit tired at this point in the season. I'm not entirely sure why that is. But, yeah, you're hoping more in the veterans right now than anything. And to me, that comes down to the two we've talked about the most, rare and Hoskins.
0: And we'll have plenty to talk about this all season. But before then, let's hope the Phillies win some games. Tim Kelly, thank you.
1: Thanks a lot, Frank.
0: And when we get back, we'll talk about the Phillies' September call-ups. Who's in? Who's out? Who is now DFA'd? What would you do when the power's out, Philadelphia Phillies? Nothing but thieves. Certainly have asked the right question with this Phillies offense. Now, Phillies get some September reinforcements, so we're just going to take a few moments to go over who those September reinforcements are. You look down the reinforcements list, so they activate some from the disabled list. Coming off the disabled list on the first were Austin Davis, the left-handed reliever. Right-handed reliever Edubry Ramos, And added by, from AAA, is Yaxel Rios. All right, so all three are familiar names to the Phillies. And while we're talking pitchers, Jared Eikhoff was added on Monday from the 60-day disabled list. On the offensive side of things, Pedro Florimon ends up coming back from his 60-day disabled list stint. And the Phillies add old friend Aaron Altair from Lehigh Valley, as well as Dylan Cousins. That one surprised me a little bit. I thought they were going to leave Dylan Cousins down there for the the stretch run. And on the second, Justin Boer is activated from the disabled list. And when you add so many players that are on the 60-day DL, you have to lose a few players. So the Phillies ended up designating for assignment infielder Yesmo Valentin and pitcher Ben Lively. A little surprised with Valentine. I guess I guess that was a matter of the Phillies are are trying to get the more veteran Florimone for the stretch run and maybe they think Valentine can can get through waivers. Uh, but they're both they both probably profile to similar players at their peak in the major leagues. You know, the, the switch hitting um, switch hitting utility player who can play a bunch of positions. Uh, but Valentin, I guess they figure there there are other players like that that they can grab for the bench if necessary down the line, even if Florimone doesn't stick around. Also, but 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 a couple names that got that got DFA'd that, that were a little surprising. The first was Ben Lively, who I just mentioned, and the Phillies had had. Um, it's funny, they, they traded Marlon Bird for him. All right, so the Phillies it was kind of a heist. <laughs> okay, Marlon Bird had really little left in the tank, and the Phillies actually managed to get a starting pitcher with some upside. Lively starts the season in the Phillies starting rotation, uh, ends up losing his spot to Zach Eflin after five starts. Uh, didn't pitch that well. Uh, then he goes down to the minor leagues. He pitched okay, uh, and then by June 20th, he was on the disabled list. And since he came back on August 20th, he hasn't done anything but pitch and relief. So Lively, I, you know, I was surprised it was him and not somebody like Drew Anderson, who I thought would perhaps be a little bit more expendable. I think Drew Anderson, uh, we, we, we haven't seen much of the major leagues, but I thought that you could easily replicate what Drew Anderson could do in the major leagues. And maybe the Phillies just thought, you know what, he's got um, the same ability that... That the Ben Lively has, and and who knows that the, you know, last week the Phillies designated Mark Leiter so that they could add Jose Bautista, and with Jose Bautista added to the Phillies, and Leiter exiting, I you know Leiter got claimed by the Blue Jays, and I thought that that Leiter might have. <sighs> the sad thing about Leiter is that Leiter, he looks so good in spring training. I mean, I was down there in spring training, really fascinated with how sharp he looked and. He was racking up strikeout after strikeout. Now, granted, he was facing often a lot of double-A hitters, you know, in spring training. But later, just looked sharp. Gets injured right before opening day. Doesn't make the roster after all, and he struggled in his time with Phillies, with the Phillies. And uh, last time he came up, it looked like he was going to stick around for a while, but he didn't pitch well on the Phillies' option to him. So, so that's the end of Mark Leiter Jr. as a Philly. Ben Lively, the interesting thing that's going on right now is a lot of people have added to their 40-man rosters for for the stretch run. And to do so, a lot of players are being designated. A lot of players are being claimed. It's very possible that Lively gets to sneak through waivers. The Phillies can outright him to, to AAA and try to, try to keep him in the organization. Uh, he would be susceptible to the Rule 5 draft. Um, but the, but the thing about this Phillies 40man roster they're gonna have a lot of players that will become free agents or that they probably will exit the roster by this off season so they they should have some room for the names they're going to have to add to protect them from the rule 5 draft and some of the names that you're seeing designated now just may have ended up being designated later so if you're the Phillies maybe you figure, Okay, we'll try to sneak them through and if they don't make it through, it's the end of the world. But the name being added on Sunday that Jared Eichhoff interesting to see what the Phillies do with him down the stretch. The Phillies have said that he's probably going to pitch as a reliever. Now just just in this most recent stretch run and his most recent his most recent rehab starts have been starts. So it seems like the Phillies were content to let him be a long man slash jump in if a pitcher is not pitching well. Now, the Phillies got five out of Vince Velasquez today. I think if you turn the page and, and Zach Eflin does not give you a good start, they won't be hesitant to pull him in a second or third inning and go Eikhoff. I could see the Phillies do the same thing uh, with really any starter. Uh, the, the added roster pieces really give you the ability to to not be patient if you need to. And let's face it, you if you're the Phillies and you're not scoring runs, you cannot afford to let the opposition beat up your starter. And so you get a few runs from somebody, well, off of somebody like Eflin, you probably need to consider taking him out of the game early. Now, Vince Velasquez today, he gave up three runs just all in the second inning, Um, if he hadn't gotten out of that easily or had shown signs of trouble the next inning, they might have taken the opportunity to, to go to one of their extra relievers. But when you look at the Phillies' roster, they now have 33 active players out of the 40. They now have seven outfielders. In the infield... They have, they have plenty of infielders. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven infielders as well. The only two that are on the 40-man roster that are not in the major leagues are Mitch Walding and J.P. Crawford. They may go stick, in, stick around at AAA for the stretch run. Uh, the Iron Pigs begin the playoffs this week. The season just ended today. And looking at the catching position, the Phillies are now eligible to add Andrew Knapp. Andrew Knapp was 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 sent down when Jose Bautista was activated. So that meant he had to spend ten days in the minor leagues or wait until the minor league season was over. Uh it seems like the Phillies will bring Knapp back sooner than later. Um, the Iron Pigs are doing fine with their catching catching options down there, and they had they have they have three of them. Uh so as long as you have a Nick Rickles uh, on the team along with Matt McBride who, who ended up playing a lot of other positions instead of catcher because you know they just didn't need all those players. And then Logan Moore remains uh, an iron pig. So, so with all those catchers, you really don't need Andrew Knapp down there as well. So you'll probably see... You will probably see Andrew Knapp come back uh, probably today because you're probably listening to this on Tuesday I would imagine. so so you add him so then the only ones that are not that are on the 40 man roster from the position player standpoint and not in the major leagues as of today are Knapp, Crawford, Walding. That's it. Walding may not come back we'll see. Uh, Walding, I think, is a candidate to be designated for assignment this offseason when they add some other pieces. Uh, Crawford, I think he will come back at the end of the playoffs. So I think the Phillies will see Crawford. He hasn't exactly lit the world on fire after coming back from his injury uh, at AAA. So so he may, he may make an appearance, but they'll probably ride out AAA first. On the pitching side of things, the ones not on the active roster right now are Drew Anderson. And De Los Santos. Ranger Suarez. Okay, those are three guys that are going to be in the pitching rotation for the Iron Pigs in their playoff run. And then the fourth is Aaron Loop. It's kind of unclear at this point what's up with Loop. You know, the Phillies got him before the trade deadline to be a their second pen lefty. Um, then he promptly got injured after appearing very little for the Phillies. Uh and, and Loop. Essentially, was replaced by Avalon, uh, and we could see Loop uh, if he's not back, if he's not going to come back, the Phillies might actually consider taking a look at AAA and maybe maybe they give somebody a shot. You know, Joey Meneses, he's going to win the MVP for the International League. Now he's by no means a a prospect. He's really just a uh, uh, first baseman, basically. So the Phillies don't necessarily have anybody, any place to really play him. But if Loop isn't going to come back, they can move him to the 60-day disabled list. And maybe just give the guy a cup of coffee in the major leagues. Now, Philly Phillies signed him as a minor league free agent. He spent last season in A, And he gave the Iron Pigs a 311 batting average. In terms of home runs, he hit 23, drove in 82 runs, uh, 27 doubles. Uh, an OPS of 870. So really, really good story uh, for the Iron Pigs that he's he had such a tremendous season for the Iron Pigs, and maybe the Phillies will will reward him um, f- for his play this year. But you know, if if you want to keep him in the organization again, um, then maybe uh, maybe at this point you're going to have to. Uh, um, keep him off your 40 man so you can kind of re- regain control. So, uh, Manessas, again, not really a prospect. He's he's 26 years old, hasn't made the major leagues. Triple A this year is the highest level he's played. Uh, so, i uh, was in the Braves system for six years. Uh, if the Phillies want to add him, uh, that probably would have to be either at loop going on the 60 day disabled list or if they wanted to designate Walding. I I don't think Walding's making it through the, 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 the offseason anyway because you need to add some other guys. But So you might just go and do it, but maybe the Phillies will let, let, them, let the Iron Pigs have their playoff run first. So with 33 bullets, some more coming, the Phillies will have a very big roster, lots of options, and hopefully some of them will hit. Again... As we, head, as we sign off tonight, just remember they're in the middle of that big run. They dropped the first to the Marlins while the Braves dropped the first to the Red Sox. But the Braves have two against the Red Sox and four against the Diamondbacks over the next several days. The Phillies have two more in the Mar- against the Marlins and three up in New York against the Mets. If the Phillies can gain some ground here, could be worth uh, looking at in the future. Get, get, they have to be a lot closer to the Braves before that last stretch when they have seven games head-to-head well thank you for listening this week this will will be an abbreviated week but we hope to catch you next week and hopefully the Phillies will have picked up a couple games on the Braves for Phillies Nation and Sports Talk Philly I'm Frank Close catch me on 97.3 ESPN Tuesday afternoon at 3.30 with the Phillies mailbag and please feel free to send me some questions for that from you South Jersey folk you can always tune in at 973espn.com. All I right, thank you. Have a great week.